Hey, good morning. It's great to see y'all. Think about it. With, friend, with kids, right? What's the prerequisite to being a friend if you're a kid? You're like another kid, right? I mean, a kid can go on a playground and come off tell mom or dad, I just met my best friend, you know. And then we grow up, right? I mean, as a, as a kid, you're like, you're a kid, I'm a kid, let's play. We're good. We're in this together, right? Some kids are like, kind of like my, my golden doodle gypsy, you're my friend whether you want to be or not. Okay, we're friends, you know. All right, ease up a little bit. But hey, what a great, great day it is to be here in the house of the Lord, worshiping Him. And if you haven't been here in a while, you may not know, we're in the midst of a series that's called, uh, What's Next? You can see there, uh, post-Easter, kind of. We've been asking the question, kind of, so what? Okay, Easter, resurrection, I mean, like, that's not the biggest thing that's ever happened, right? Because it is. Uh, but how does it impact our daily lives? And so today, we're going to talk about uh, friendship. I don't know when the last time you heard a message on friends, being a friend, but it's so critical and core, central to our lives, and so uh, you can go ahead and grab your Bible, you can turn to the book of uh, Acts, we're going to look at a narrative, actually, out of Acts 20, so I hope you have your Bible with you, and we're going to dive into to, uh, to a story, you know, we get to the later book, uh, part of Acts, uh, it starts to look like a travelogue, in fact, we're going to be tracking with Paul as he goes through really his third kind of final, he's got a fourth missionary journey, at least a fourth one. But we're going to look at his fourth one here as we ask the question, what's next? Uh, friends, all right? So instead of reading, this is a pretty long text, um, we're going to just going to walk through it together, all right? Is that cool with you guys? We're just going to go. I want you to follow along with me. It's why we say bring your Bible every week. I'll show the scripture up on the screens if you don't have your Bible. But uh, as you come, then, uh, yeah, bring your, bring your Bible. Hey, a big shout-out and thanks to um, Jeff and Whitney McIntosh. How about that? Having them here with us today. So good. Um, Carrie is down in Austin. Uh, got a gig or something going on down there. And uh, so Jeff and Whitney in town. Some of y'all know I know these two pretty well. Uh, this little Whitney. I've watched her worship the Lord since she was little. Okay, Whitney Warren McIntosh. All right? Shout-out. Come on. Okay, so... Uh, it's been awesome. I mean, worship is incredible, but when your you know, daughter and your son uh, are lifting you up you know, into the Lord, that's great stuff. So what a gift. All right, so uh, here's what I want to talk about. Um, as we walk with Paul, we're going to see four things uh, that Christians, Christian friends share. All right? So we're going to really lean towards Christian friends. I mean, friends are friends. We're going to talk about friends uh, who are not believers, and, and uh, we're going to talk about how we can go deeper with our friends. So I want you to think about your life, of course. We're always seeking to apply what we're learning. We're going to see that, that friends share a past, they share a future, they share passions, and they share concerns. And we see it all right here in this passage. Okay, First of all, I want you to see that friends share a past. All right? If you take notes, you can walk through this with me. Now, when I was, before we get to the text, when I was in college, I remember um, I went to a school about five hours from my, where I grew up, and just a couple of people I knew uh, went to my university. I knew some folks from my high school, but no, you know, close friends. And I remember leaving my best friend that I grew up with all my life, a core group of friends through high school. I, gr I grew up in the same place, Charlotte, North Carolina, all my life. And then when I got to college, I remember this, even as a, like an 18-year-old, I remember knowing it even at the time. It wasn't so much that I didn't know anybody, um, because I could know people, and I knew I was going to get to know people. But I went through a really lonely season 
um, the early that first semester of college in particular, and it was because of this, because I wasn't known. It was like nobody knew me. And I understood for the first time the power of being known. And the thing about Christian friends is that we share a past, all right? So look at, uh, look at chapter 20, verse 17 through 21. The first thing I want you to see is this. There's several things under this first point I want you to see. They know what you've done, all right? They know what you've done. Now, to set, here we go, set this in context. Um, I want to just, you know, ask the question as we set this whole sermon up, I guess, is, you know, do you, do you have friends? Do you have deep friendships? And, and, and if so, how do you need to go deeper? And what might you look for in friends? If you're thinking, I need more friends, or I feel, I, okay, I sense I need friendships around me. What can I look for? How can I go deeper with the friends, perhaps even the friends that I have? So the first thing I want you to see, though, and you, this will be true for a lot of you. You're going to be, you know, kind of moving along with me through this. And, and I think a lot of it, we're going to say, yes, yes, that's me. Praise God, I have a friend like that. And for some of us, it's like, no, I don't have a friend like that. And so I want to help really challenge you and encourage you as you develop friends along the way. All right. So do you have friends? I wonder, do you have friends from your past? Uh, if you're like me, maybe you have some friends that you grew up with. What we see here is Paul is, is going to call out his Ephesian band of brothers. Now, this is a group of, of ministers, uh, Christian leader, church leaders, elders who have served in Ephesus. And what he does, he's going to call them to come meet with him one last time, by the way. Look at what it says in verse 17. Now, from Miletus, all right, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So these are elders, you know, leaders, pastors, overseers is what they're called, of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. Now, here's what's happening. Paul calls on them. Now, this is no small thing. They're coming two days. It's a four-day round trip. And they're coming, and they don't hesitate. Paul's like, I want to see you guys one last time. Now, think about this. He had gone up and had planted churches all through the region. And over in Ephesus, there's a whole host, this band of brothers. He spent three years with them, by the way. And so they know him well. They knew his heart. They knew his character. And it's why when he says, I want you to come and join me. So he calls them. He sends for them. And they come. All right. This is why he says, look, you know how I lived among you. Right. So friends share a past. They know what you've done. A friendship is only going to go as deep as your friends know your past. All right. Now, again, if, if you're not like me, where you have these friends from way back in your past, like you, you've moved around a lot. You can still have friends who know your past, but it's going to mean that you're going to share your past with them, right? Now, some of that's real simple, like I had this job, I had this job, went to this school, but some of it can get real complicated. Some of it can mean that you're going to be really vulnerable, you're going to share your heart, you're going to share your mistakes, you're going to, you know, but with Christian friends, here's the beauty, instead of embarrassment, it can be life-giving, it can be restorative, and that's the beauty of Christian friendships in particular. I have a friend, and my whole family knows these friends along the way that I might mention today. But my best friend, you know, it's hard to qualify friends, but my friend I grew up with, my childhood friend, um, Dan Sleep. So from the time I was two years old, we grew up together through all, I mean, like literally lived by, right behind us. So there's this pathway that was the symbol of our friendship. It was worn down. We were together every day. 
And when the Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, I'm close with my brothers, but, but Dan was like closer than a brother. We were the same age, we grew up, we did everything together. And he's one of these friends, I hope you have one like this, when you get together again, you don't miss a beat. Anybody have friends like that? Do you have a friend like that? So I have a group of friends. There's five of us who are in this text group. I mean, we're, we're on WhatsApp. But um, anyway, we're in this same group text. And we, I bet you three times this week I heard from these guys. And we're all over, all over the nation. Really the southeast. I'm the furthest west. But guys are all over the place. And several of us in, in ministry. Dan is now a judge. I've got a friend who's, who's a, a Christian counselor. And all kind of one friend... Um, Friends with benefits, works with Chick-fil-A. Okay, so, you know, you, get, you know, you got to have friends that are out there doing things that matter, right? And so we were, the, we were in a small group. We were in campaigners. We were in Young Life together. And we were in a group. And in this group text is Don Mincy, who was our Young Life leader. He's in this group with us. And we were together not too long ago. And when you get with friends like that, it's like, you know, you didn't miss a beat. Why? Because they know my past. They know where I come from, Right? Do you have friends like that? If you do, it's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls an inexpressible gift of grace. And I hope that you'll do what, after this sermon, I hope you'll do what I've done this week. I've reached out to some of these guys, these, that group, and I've reached out to my best friend in ministry to say, man, you mean so much to me. I mean, throughout the week, I was just like, gosh, the gift of Christian friendship is so powerful. And we can't take it for granted. We, we need to constantly be thanking God and thanking them for the beautiful thing that is Christian friendship. So your friends know what you've done, but I want you to see they know how you've done it. Okay, this is why the Ephesians knew what Paul had done and why they loved him and he loved them so much. Look at what he says. He says, I was serving the Lord with all humility. With humility he did what he did. Paul, Paul had reason to boast. He even says in Philippians 3, he says, man, I can boast if I want to, but I'm not going to. Instead, I'll boast only in Christ. And because here's the thing, our friends know, and this is what's challenging, our good friends know not only what we've done, but how we've done it. And that might get a little shady. They know the manner by which we've done these things, right? They know how we got into that school or how I got that job. And for some of us, uh, and for me, you know, not all that I've done in the past has been honorable. But here's the beauty of Christian friendship is that they know those things and they love you anyway. This starts to get to the heart of Christian friendship, which is this, to be known and to still be loved, right? This is like our relationship with God, to be fully known by him, and we are, and to be fully loved by him. That's grace. And that's what Christian friendships really are all about. Well, not only that, uh, if, if we look at the past, they know your hurts and your failures, all right? They know your hurts and your fails. Perhaps you, you know that Paul was victimized by, by Jewish people that he, that he came across trying to share the gospel, uh, trying to squelch this new movement that he was a part of. And, and, and he was, uh, it says here, look at, look at chapter yeah, 20, verse 19, the latter part of this. And with tears and with trials that happened to me, through the plots of the Jews. See, he was beaten. You know this. He was stoned. And I mean like smoking weed. He was almost killed uh, by being stoned to death almost. He was taken out of cities. And he, was even, he even had the Jews inciting others to come after him in other cities. He was kind of always on the run, watching out. He was always in a dangerous kind of situation. And the Ephesians elders, of course, knew this. They'd been a part of that with him. 
When you walk through that kind of thing together, man, there's a bond that cannot be separated. And see, our friends know our hurts, they know our pains, and I'm guessing even Paul would have said, you know, I've turned some people off to the gospel at some points along the way. And I'm guessing that even Paul would say, man, I I messed up. I mean, I've learned along the way, I've not done everything right. But here's the beautiful thing with friends, Christian friends. They know our hurts, they know our failures, and they love us anyway. Again, it's such a restorative thing. And we all need friends like that. But it means, especially for you men, it means you're going to be courageous. We talk about being a courageous man. Listen, it means you're going to be vulnerable. It means you're going to talk. You're going to be open about your weakness. It's why Christian accountability is so critical in friendships. It's why we have groups, accountability groups, and friendships where we go deeper to say, hey, how are you doing in this? And and, and men, if you want to know more about that in particular, uh, we have connect groups, of, of course. And out of our connect groups come deeper friendships. Because the truth is, you don't share your stuff with everybody, right? We all have maybe one or two or three friends where you can really share all that you need to share. Uh, My best friend in ministry, Jonathan Scott, who I met my first day in seminary, we have been walking together as best man in his wedding. You know, one of those friends where throughout the years we've, we've continued to meet together. And uh, even though now he's way on the East Coast, he's in Charlotte, but we still Skype. We have lunch together every month. We still get together and talk. And whenever we're together nearby, we get together and talk. And he knows everything about me. He's, one of, he's that friend. And I know everything about him. Our hurts, our failures, our challenges. And we've been through a lot, through decades of friendship now. And Jonathan is an indescribable gift of grace to me. And I praise God for him and other friends like that. But it means that you're going to be open and honest. Do you have friends like that? Do you have a friend where you can say, man, I can share anything with this person? We all need friends like that. Well, look at this. Not only that, they know your story. Paul's entire ministry, his life story can be summed up. Look at this in in verses 20 and 21. Look at what it says. You know this, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul, they knew his story, and through his story, they knew his God. They knew his story because he shared his life with them. I mean, he would constantly share his story of salvation. You know, he constantly is sharing his testimony. On the road to Damascus, you see it over and over again. Here's a question. When's the last time you shared your story? Just a story. Nobody can argue your story. That's the beauty of your testimony, right? Like somebody say, well, that didn't happen to me. I mean, that's good for you, but not me. Yeah, but you can't argue it. It happened to me. And Paul would tell his story. And listen, here's kind of a, here's a tender challenge for some of us. Some of us have friends. They don't know our story. You work with people, you call them friends. Maybe you do things together. They don't even know your story. Here's what I'd say about sharing your story with friends early and often. Early and often. And a challenge to some of you, I, I, would, I would encourage you with this. A friend, you, you may have a friend that you're thinking of and say, you know what? I want to tell you something. You and I, I love you. Gosh, we've been through so much. You're a dear friend. Um, but I've never told you the most important thing about me. And that's crazy. But you need to know. And it's this. 
and tell them what Christ has done in your life. This is what Paul does. And, and, and here's the thing. I was thinking about this this week. I was wondering what Paul would be like as a friend. And this brother was OCD. I mean crazy. Like he only had one focus. Like, you, hey, Paul, uh, you know, we'd be like, man, Paul, let's, let's talk about the Mavs. Man, what about the Mavs? Yeah, what, what about them? Do you know if they're believers or not? Can I share Christ with Dirk? I mean, what, he'd be, it'd be great if we came to Christ. And it, no, bro, let's just talk about basketball. What about the Cowboys? Let's talk Cowboys. Yeah, you, what, can I get, could we go into the locker room? I could share Christ. I could be the chaplain. Who's their chaplain? Well, I'm going to talk to him. We've got to share Christ with these guys. You know, you're like, bro, ease up, man. He, he was OCD. He's focused. OGD obsessive gospel disorder. I was like, that's the way I want to live. I want my life to be like that. Like, if you're around me much, you, you just can't, you know, see, he's going to talk about Jesus. Why? Here it comes. He's going to talk about Jesus. Here it goes. Jesus, bam. I knew he was going there. And, and that's the way our lives ought to be, gang. Not, not to be a jerk. Not to be like, eh, you know, but be kind and loving and know when to enter those conversations. But friends, tell their story. And as you tell your story, people are drawn to your God. That's the way Paul was. Man, I want to live like that. The best thing you can do with your friends is to tell them your story. They knew him, so they knew his God. So our friends share our past, okay? Whether they've shared it with us or whether we share it with them. And over time, you come to know your friend's past. You know where they're from, right? Secondly, friends share a future. Our friends share our past, but they, and they help us deal with our past, but they also share a future, and for two reasons. Look at this. First, the future's uncertain. Now, that seems self-evident, uh, but look at what he says. I'm going to dive deeper into this. And now, behold, okay, or look, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, probably prison. Um, I might get stoned. May get thrown out. It's happened over and over again. Probably that's what's going to happen. Don't know, but that's where I'm heading. So Paul doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. He doesn't even know if he's going to live through it. He doesn't even know if he's going to stay alive. And so he calls them together. He says, I'm going to go one last time, and you're not going to see me again. Because he knows going back to Jerusalem, ultimately. See, he's gone. I don't know if you know the map. He's gone, he's gone up the Mediterranean all the way to Corinth, north of the Mediterranean. And he's going back to all these churches that he helped planted. He's going to go back, and he ultimately is going to take the long shot across the Mediterranean uh, from, from uh, Parta all the way across to Jerusalem. And, uh, and, he, and so that's the last final leg. But here, he's making his way through, and he's ultimately going to Jerusalem, and then ultimately he's going to go to Rome where he's going to die. And he's telling these guys one last time, he's encouraging them, and here's what friends do. They encourage us into the future. And here's what I mean by this. See, this is the Christian life. If you don't know Christ and you're here, you know, kind of just, maybe a friend brought you here today, or you're invited, and you're like really curious about what this is about. Listen, the Christian life is not you receive Christ into your heart and everything goes well with you. The Christian life is this. You receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're totally forgiven because of what he's done on the cross for you. He took on your punishment and your shame. He died so that you wouldn't have to die. He rose again so your life, spirit, his spirit in you, you can rise again and live a new resurrected life. With power over sin in your life. And with a new trajectory of your life into eternity with him. 
The Christian life is not, I receive Christ and all things go well with me. The Christian life is, I get Christ, and then whatever comes my way in my life, I learn that He's more than enough for me. Whatever comes. And Christian friends remind you of that. Christian friends remind you when you walk through hard times or just in conversation. Listen, go back to the realities of the gospel. No, no, no. Don't be beating yourself up like that. Self-condemnation needs to end. Christ has already forgiven you. No, no, no. You're getting off track. You thought that because you did that, you ought to feel bad or whatever. Listen, no, no, no. You're forgiven. Wait, don't be discouraged. God is up to something in your life. Christian friends, speak the reality of the gospel into your life over and over again. Because you see, this, the, the, the future is uncertain. Uh, and because it is, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but probably troubles are coming, right? You've heard it said. If you're not going through a storm now, yeah, you're just coming out of one, you're about to go into one. Because that's the way life goes. We need Christian friends to help us navigate through the storms of life. That's the beauty of the church. And here at our church, it's the beauty of our connect groups that, that meets prior to our services. You can dive in. We'd love to talk to you after the service how you can get involved would be the most important decision you make today because you don't know where you're heading some of you wonder where you're going to college you wonder what your job might be where you might work some of you are in a position where you're like man i don't know what the future holds right now but if you have christian friends who are pushing you back to the reality of the gospel you know you're reminded you're like yes 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 stay the course stay the course stay the course christian friends are always doing that this is the indescribable gift of grace that is Christian friendship. Well, not only, so friends share your future, not only because it's uncertain, that the future is where we're going. Now again, seems self-evident, but listen to this. If you are devoted to the mission of Christ, let me say this, if you're devoted to Christ, you're devoted to His mission in the world. And this is what Paul is doing here. Look at uh, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself. This is incredible stuff. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of, gra of the grace of God. See, this is why you need friends. Friends help you stay the course. Friends help you go deeper. Uh, gospel Christian friends do not let you give up. They remind you of what your life is all about. And like Paul, listen, our trajectory is always toward the future, not toward the past. And, and even as a church, as a collective, we are moving toward the future, not toward the past. And when we have such a bias for the past, let it be that we remember what God has done. But He's always pushing us into the next thing. See, here's what I've learned over time. To live the missional life, watch this. Like Paul, it means you're always saying goodbye. Think about it. Because you're always raising up others to sin. And man, we have done that out of our church here. You've done it out of your connect group. Send people to go serve and celebrate it when they do. You're either raising up others to send or you are going yourself. Because there's always a centrifugal force of God's people being sent out for the gospel. And this is why Paul is leaving. Because he knows that he's heading Heading on to do God's bidding. Okay, thirdly, I want you to see this. Friends share our passion. So they share past, they share our future, they share our passions. Look at this, our passion for our interest. 
This is the joy of friendship, right? You share an interest with someone. Look at what Paul says in uh, verse 25. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. This is, I mean, he's saying, you're not going to see me again, I'm out. I mean, this is a tender moment. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Now, what is this? Innocent of the blood of all. He's saying my ministry was a sacrifice. It was a faithful sacrifice to God. He's using worship language here. He, he, he's, he's saying, listen, if the gospel is going to continue to flourish here, if the worship of Jesus is going to keep happening in Ephesus, you guys are the ones who are going to make it happen. Because I'm out. But I've raised you up and you're ready to do this. See, they shared a common interest, and that was the worship of Jesus. I mean, think about this. All of all friendships. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes about this in his book, The Four Loves. He writes extensively about friendship where he writes about phileo, you know, brotherly love. And he says every friendship is not ultimately about the friendship. It's about something else. See, you are friends with people because you're tied to something else. You, you have a shared, you shared interest. And, and, and for a lot, I could say it this way. You, you bow to the same God. I mean, you may have the same, you went to the same school, you know, you, you pull for the same team, you have the same hobby, you play golf. Oh, those are my golfing buddies. You know, you don't see them much any, anywhere else. I mean, you just wear some jersey out somewhere, right? And it's like, hey, Cowboys, hey, what do you think about Dez, man? What about Dez? You know, like, what? Uh, what? Like, I'm, there are people higher up in the organization making those kind of decisions. I just got the jersey, man. You know, but, you, but you're the connection, right? You're fans, right? You're friends. And if, especially if you travel far, you know, go somewhere far away and say, you've got a, you know, whatever shirt on. There's this connection because friends share uh, a common, common loyalties, right? And this is the beauty of Christian friendship. Ultimately, you bow to the same God. You worship the one who is the highest. This is why there's nothing like Christian friendship, right? Look, so here's the thing. Friends share our passions. They share our interests. They, they share our passion for each other. Look at verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Okay, that's really, where, again, for pastors or leaders. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves, watch this, will come in among you, not sparing the flock. For from among you, yourselves, your own selves, will rise, arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to uh, admonish you, everyone, with tears. What is he saying here? He's saying good friends challenge each other. Paul says take care of each other and take care of those whom God has placed in your uh, you know, in your watch, those who you're leading, those who you're guiding. This is so important for us today. This is so critical for us. We need to take care of each other. In the church, we need to take care of one another. We need to encourage each other in the Lord. We need to help when one is hurting. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians, he says, when one part of the body is hurting, the whole, the whole body suffers. When one part rejoices, everybody rejoices. And friends, this is so critical today in a world that continues to turn from God's word and from his truth. We need to take care of each other. This is the beauty of the church. 
And I praise God that we have a loving, caring church, and it's why I plead, I beg of you, if you're not a member of this church, and you live here, you've been coming here, you need to join the church. I say it, you need to stop dating the church and make a commitment, a covenant agreement with other believers. We need to care for each other. And this church cares for one another. This is so important. And we do it for two reasons. We've been purchased by the blood of Christ, he says, and because there's coming those who will want to hurt you. There are those who will speak lies into your life and you need friends who are going to correct that this is why this moment is so important it's why our connect groups are so important we study god's word to apply it right where we are it's critical in our lives the most important gathering of the week takes place on sunday morning so look at this fourthly finally friends share our concerns friends share our past they share our future they share our passions and they share our concerns we share their concerns with Christ, okay? Now, this is, this is interesting here. Look at what Paul says. Look at, look at verse uh, 32. And now I commend you to God. Check that out. Commend you to God and to His Word, the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, here's what he's doing. Here's what we can do. We can pray with them. We can pray for them. We can pray for our friends. When our friends are in need, we pray for them. When your friend is in need, pray with them. What a beautiful thing that is. When you hear someone's hurting, you don't just say, wow, let me help you figure that out. Hey, here's what we could do. Here's three steps you could take. Man, we've got to fix this. No, 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 no. Hey, can I, can I pray for you about this? And just pray over them. Have an opportunity just sitting there to pray with them. Listen, when you can't fix them, and you can't, you can give them to God. That's what Paul's doing here. And that should be freeing for you. It should free you up from trying to do God-like things. Because you may be an awesome friend. You're a lousy Messiah. You might be a great friend, a horrible Savior. So you point your friends to Jesus, the one who ultimately can help them. And that should be a real freeing thing. So you see, we share their concerns with Christ. Look at this. We don't take advantage of their concerns. This is really interesting. We've got to be careful here. Friendship, true friendship, not a law of reciprocity. Think about this. I know you enter into friend groups. There's times when we say, hey, let's, let's do that. I'm starting this new company. Let's do this together. We're in business together. Hey, you're going to help me if we make connections here. Some people, I, I, I mean, I've heard crazy stories. People join a church because I might be able to find some business, you know, in this church. I am coming in. We, we, we make friends in, in all kinds of kind of twisted kind of motivations. And here's what Paul says. Look at this. I coveted no one's silver or gold. He's trying to remind them, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me in all things. I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, who himself, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. There's a beautiful statement about Christian friendship. And just let that guide you. It's better to give than receive. See, we don't go into friendship saying, man, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? Because well, this moment they don't or they can't, I'm out. Now, some friendships are temporary, but we need to enter into friendships not seeking to take from others, but in order to give, okay? And look at this, friends share our concerns, so we grieve and mourn their concerns. Here's how this lands. Look at verse 36. 
And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And then there's this outpouring of love. Look at this. These guys wept. They embraced him. They cried. They prayed. And these are dudes. These are guys. These are men. They loved him so much. We say it often, you know, grief is the price we've paid for love. They loved him so much that they grieved the fact that he was leaving. And we see in his final farewell, it's actually later, he goes to another spot and he's saying goodbye to a group. And in chapter 21, verse 5, it says they knelt on the beach, all of them. In this spot, there was men and women, children. They gathered around Paul and they got on their knees on the beach and they prayed. It's a beautiful picture of Christian friendship. You're bowing to the same God. This is the power of Christian friendship. So, I want to ask you, do you have friends like this? Are you reminded today of the importance of friends? And be reminded of this. Jesus is the one who said there's no greater love than this, that one would give his life for his friends, lay down his life for his friends. And then he says, and you are my friends. Christ went to the cross for us so that we could be made righteous, that we too, like it says of Abraham, became a friend of God. So let's close our time in prayer and prayer together. I want to pray over you and pray with you before we leave this place. We've got just a couple of, couple of announcements, but we're going to go. God, we thank you so much for the joy of being in your house, for the songs we've sung that remind us how much you love us, for faces and friends, people who have brought us in and welcomed us into this place, some who've been friends for years and some who are brand new today. We thank you for the gift of Christian friendship. We thank you that you have loved us so much in Christ that you came so that we might become friends with you. And Lord, I pray for every person here that this week that we will go and love our friends well and we'll tell them what they mean to us. And more than anything, more than any of that, that we will be that friend for people in our lives. So God, we love you and we give you our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.